You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Locked On Padres and Locked On Cardinals listeners? Javier Reyes is joining Locked On Cardinals, and I'm joining Locked On Padres today. I'm Lucas Smith. We're having a crossover because it's going to be a good time today. With crossing over with Locked On Cardinals and Locked On Padres. Javier, how are you doing today? I am doing just swell, man, let me tell you. Do we still not have any baseball? Of course not. Of course not, because that's, that's why, the world why would, why would we live you expect in right anything now. different? But um, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I mean, look, trying to look. It's we're in February. February is the month of love, and it is Black History Month. There's a lot of good things that happen in February. Very low key, yeah. I've noticed. Uh, honestly, as the older I get, um, some cool games and movies coming out. Like it's it's good. There's good mojo in the air because I think January is the worst month. But uh, I'm optimistic going forward. But <laughs> I can't lie, man. I'm I'm really missing baseball. Well, from a baseball standpoint, it can't, it can't get worse in February than it did in January. So that, 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 that that's a good thing mm. because the, the, <laughs> the Lord willing, we will have some sort of baseball here in the month of February. We had the snafu or the drama, if you will, of the federal mediator being requested and then denied. Dude, I, I, I posted my show and then about 25 – talking about the federal mediator and explaining the process and what it could look like and things of that nature. 25 minutes later, the MLBPA denied it. So that was a great – great uh just <laughs> news cycle there for, for locked on cardinals but we'll, we'll talk about lockout i'm, I'm sure we're going to do it but I, I think we should start with baseball because i think fans are missing baseball yeah. I know you and i are missing baseball mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned it off air before we started our two teams were very close um and especially in the playoff race going down the stretch and they went in different directions mm-hmm. one went up one went down what was your perspective your take on the padres end to 2021 that, that that's a great point so, by the way i don't know what it is with you specifically based on messaging the chats you always record right before news breaks i swear <laughs> it's you it's always you so we yeah, need you to record an episode that says record an episode that's like the mlb lockout will never end that way <laughs> later they'll come to a deal right um, but yeah i think that with the two teams so the padres i guess i, I mean i've talked about this a lot on my pod obviously but it's just it's just every conceivable the, like literally starting from my birthday, which was the the trade deadline for MLB and the oh Padres my. not getting any more reinforcements was one thing. But then for the Dodgers to also acquire Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, because Mike Rizzo of the Nationals is a sleeper agent. He actually worked for the Dodgers and wanted to help them out. I've been saying this for a long time. It's been confirmed. <laughs> Go ask my buddy Jeff Passan. And then <laughs> And then you have Tatis gets hurt on July 30th. And then we head into a Colorado series that, for some reason, a team we couldn't beat this past season. And then it wasn't – I think it was really kind of – it gets a little bit lost in translation that it was the Padres play it against the Cardinals. And the Astros, they won their series against the Astros which was a great, a great team last season. So we've been stumbling, but we have to be due for some type of win streak at some point, right? And that was wrong. Your team caused uh, it directly, ostensibly, like, you know, the feud between Tatis and Machado back in the dugout that was making the rounds of social media and stuff. You had Emilio Pagan. The, you know, I, I defend all Puerto Rican players, but he was a mess and gives up the home runs and stuff. And, you know, it was really all about your team in the second half and i think that the two teams are kind of the dichotomy between the two shows you like 
it's a long ass season and things can really change very quickly because the Cardinals, I mean, at the trade deadline, wasn't the only things they did was just acquire J.A. Happ and John Lester. Like, I don't remember them making too many big moves and all of a sudden they just, you know, like it's a sport of runs and streaks and sometimes things can just click and that's what kind of happened for the Cardinals while the Padres, it's like Tommy Pham can't hit a single with anyone on base. It was just really, really rough in every kind of yeah, the, the the trade deadline was was a fascinating one because the Cardinals were, mm-hmm. you know, conceivably in the playoff race at the time, and you think, okay, mm-hmm. they're going to get a bat maybe or a front line starting pitcher or a legit back end bullpen arm. Yeah, because they made a couple of small moves because of injuries earlier in this early in the season they had to make for T.J. McFarland, Luis Garcia, etc., and then they go out and get John Lester and J.A. Happ. And I remember going on the Locked On MLB trade deadline special and basically losing my mind thinking what the <laughs> heck did the cardinals just do yeah they just wasted any opportunity you can kiss the playoffs out of the window they're just going for 500 yada 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 and then i calmed down and the next day on my show i said the, the best case scenario here is that both these starters have a drink from the holy grail they turn back the clock a little <laughs> bit and they have a mediocre second half of the season and all credit to them that's exactly what they did they, they did what they needed to do they kept their team mm-hmm. in the game which is a buzz phrase that i love i think that's what a good a great starter can do every time out mm-hmm. even when he had a bad has a bad day but you mentioned that series i think it was mid-september at the time the cardinals and padres that, that was mm-hmm. a series that that had some big moments in each game you had the dylan carlson grand slam one night you had the yeah. title o'neill Two run home yep. run when you're down by one after O'Neill was rung up on a couple. He was mad that night. He, I think it was uh, Phil Cuzzy was the home but umpire. And I'm not a huge <laughs> guy on bashing against umpires, but Phil Cuzzy had a rough night that night, um, as we all do. I'm an umpire myself, so we all have rough nights. But anyways, uh, Tyler O'Neill hits that home run, and it was that series that you think, okay, the Cardinals just beat a, a playoff team. Because the talk mm-hmm. the whole year was going to be, okay, it's going to be Dodgers winning the West, Padres getting the wild card or, you know, vice versa, and then someone, you know, second wild card is going to be up for grabs. Um, And, you know, we all know that the Padres fell off the the table a little bit and that the Giants did what they needed to do so the Cardinals faced the Dodgers in the wild card game. But it was that series that was like, okay, yeah, the Cardinals were on a nice little win streak that ended up being a historic win streak. But that series, not even just win, that series sweep, I think was what, a sunk the the Padres season and B really elevated the Cardinals into okay this this isn't just a nice story this is a legit playoff team and a legit playoff threat and they were you know uh, uh, extra inning away or so you know however you want to say it from beating the Dodgers mm-hmm. they took the Dodgers down to the final swing yeah. so it was it was that series that really proved showed me anyways that they were a legitimate playoff team yeah and it's just kind of like a lot of players just kicked up and I don't think there was like too many questions about some of those Cardinals players, right? Like, I think we all figured out, like, Tyler O'Neill was morphing into a top 10 outfielder at the minimum. I mean, you, you could say he's even better than that with right. his defense and all that. And I think defense was another big story of the Cardinals, obviously, with the amount of gold glove winners that they had. I think it was six or yeah. something like that, uh, something crazy like that. But it's it really was just a reminder of how baseball can function sometimes where you just <laughs> – like, the Cardinals were just – they had like one pitcher, and that was Jack Flaherty. Then all of a sudden, it was like, wait a minute, you you just you do that thing where you like you check baseball reference or you check fan graphs, maybe, maybe your fantasy team, and then you're like, hey, I'm just curious, how how is Adam Wainwright doing? And then you notice that he's just leading the league in innings at like 49 years old, 
and then he's been one of the most effective <laughs> pitchers in all of baseball. And you're like, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a question for you, and that's like, was this just like lucking into a lot of things that went the right way in terms of the streak they won? And I thought they're like a, a bad team. They're clearly a good baseball team. But to win as many games, was that something that like, can you be like, oh, yeah, the Cardinals front office, they didn't make any moves because they were like, oh, we know our team is going to kick up. Or was it just kind of something that you're just like, all right, I mean, this is just how it, it's just as usual. The Cardinal way seems to sort of prevail, I guess. I think Jeff Carr just threw up by somehow hearing you say Cardinal way. Jeff Carr of Lockdown Reds <laughs> hates when I say that. But I think, it, you know, obviously no one can predict or no one can even come close to predicting um, a 17-game winning streak, right? Like that, that's that's yeah. never in the cards, conceivably so. But I think that there was an argument to think, okay, this this offense is going to pick up. Goldsworth's going to get on fire in the second half, as he always does. Nolan's going to get out of his funk. Mm-hmm. Harrison Bader's going to come back healthy. I mean, we, we saw Harrison Bader start to produce right before the All-Star break in a series against Colorado and then just have a very good second half later in the season. You saw, as you mentioned, Tyler O'Neill. I think it was the offense coming alive because as, as good as your pitching has to be to win series and to win games, the offense for me was a catalyst in that in that run, in that second half run, because especially during that 17-game winning streak, you didn't really have anybody in any sort of slump. <laughs> and, you know, when you have one through eight mm-hmm. or even one through six or so, whatever it is, you know, on a roll and on fire, it's hard to lose a lot of baseball games. And, you know, you look at the rotation from that second half, you're not going to have Hap. You're not going to have Lester. You're not going to have Kim. Um, you're you're going to have Adam Wainwright back from that second half staff, you yep. know, uh, in addition to Michaelis, Hudson, Flaherty, uh, Stephen Matz now as well. I feel like that's four. I'm forgetting one. But anyways, point being, you know, the starters on that second half team aren't necessarily going to be the starters moving forward, right? So I think it was the mm-hmm. offense picking up in this front office Sometimes get some flack for this, but having a trust in their guys. You know, the only one that you could argue that really had a complete 100% down year, you know, was Paul DeYoung. And he was hurt for some of the year, and he still hit 19 home runs. And, you know, I know 19, you know, isn't what it was 10 years ago, but 19 home runs from 113 games is still somewhat respectable. So I think that it was just a combination of there's always luck, you know, when, when the Cleveland. Uh, the, the then Cleveland Indians, now Guardians, won one 22, 23 games a couple years ago. You know, there's some mm-hmm. luck involved in there. There's always, especially in the game of, of baseball. But I think it was a combination of, of luck, but a lot of it was the offense just simply started hitting. Just like, yeah. it, it, I can't, I'm not even going to beat a dead horse. The offense simply started hitting in the second half. Yeah. I mean, just kind of the antithesis of the 2020 team, which was like literally Goldschmidt and that's it. <laughs> in terms of the power department, okay. <laughs> like literally as our teams faced off, which I'm going to try my best to uh, mention because I am still sad about the Pirates this year. So I'm going to try and bring that up. But like, yeah, like the offense really just kind of fired on all cylinders. Every player, the best case scenario for the most part kind of came through, except for what you said about Paul DeYoung. But Lucas, you know what else always seems to fire on all cylinders? You know what else always seems to have the best case scenario? Jeff Snyder roasting you in our group chat. Uh, cl- close, <laughs> <laughs> close. Uh, instead, something that is related is the best protein bars, guys, in the world. That's that. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You gotta understand. You like your Tommy Edmund. You know, you like defense. Maybe you can't hit and all that stuff. You like your non Arenado, just power and defense. You like Tyler O'Neill, which is just being a superstar. You like the good old reliable. And Adam Wainwright, all right? There's variety there. And you know what I like best about Built Bars? 
variety. All right. They've got all sorts of flavors. They've got, let's see, they got cookies and cream, white chocolate cookies and cream. They got, uh, what else do they got? They got coconut almond, they got mint brownie, double, exactly, chocolate. They got some peanut butter stuff. My personal favorite flavor is apple almond crisp locked on. I know that everybody goes a little bit crazy for the coconut brownie chunk. That one's really mm-hmm. good. Cherry Barcia is another good one. It's my mom's favorite. And, of course, obviously, they're protein bars, so they're really healthy for you. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar. Those things have 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So if you're trying to make your thing in this new year, you know, you want to eat healthier, but you also have a little bit of sweet tooth, Built Bar's got you covered, man. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And also, guys, if you're listening to this, it's super weak. And it's brought to you by Get Up, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game, so be sure to follow those folks. And yes, it is still annoying that you can't say the name of the big game anywhere else because the NFL stinks, uh, even though I love football and the NFL is super greedy and whatnot. But anyway, uh, Lucas, <laughs> as, you were, as we were talking about, your team firing all cylinders, man. I mean, it's just... It's kind of incredible, um, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, looking back at what the Cardinals did in 2021. What do you think was, out of all the players, what do you think was like the biggest, most surprising or most remarkable breakout given your previous expectations? Uh, Harrison Bader. Um, mm-hmm. A year mm-hmm. ago, if you said the name Harrison Bader and you had, you know, hashtag STL carbs or whatever, it's a polarizing <laughs> figure in, in Cardinal Twitter and Cardinal fan yeah. in general. Yeah. And even, even today you have some guys, you know, some, some people that will still say, you know, give it more than a year. And I understand that. But anyways, back to your question, I think that Harrison Bader, you know, he went over five, I believe with five strikeouts and, and the wild card game, one of the wild card games against the Padres in 2020, he was somebody that had a lot of talent that had a lot of upside, but just couldn't lay off, you know, Typical, couldn't lay off a right-handed slider down and away. You know, he struck out too much, you know, and when he struck out too much, he was pressing on both sides of the ball. But in 2021, when he was on the field for the large majority of the season, he played pretty well. Um, you know, he's I don't think he's ever going to be a 280, 290 hitter. And I know, you know, the average isn't necessarily um, indicative of everything, but he was going to be a 260-something hitter, going to have a decent slugging percentage, a high on-base percentage. And he's going to make an impact mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. Him getting that gold glove was huge. And he's somebody that when he's not playing well, he's easy to hate. You know, he's a little bit out there. He's flamboyant, long hair, you know, kind of out there, right? But when he's playing well, it's super fun to watch. Um, yeah. he, he can be a marketable, marketable guy, in my opinion. But Bader is somebody for me that was a big, big breakout. Uh, I, I want to ask you this question because you mentioned Tatis a little bit earlier. Fernando Tatis signed, mm-hmm. was it a four, t- 10, 14 year deal last offseason? Which one was it? That is indeed. It was a 14 year, 350. 351 or 350. Yeah. yeah. So, you you know, the Padres got their shortstop or, or outfielder of the future, whichever one he wants to play on a certain <laughs> when he's playing on a certain day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, while his numbers were fantastic last year, he wasn't on the field enough for me. Now, that's why I, if I were voting, I didn't. I wouldn't have given him an, the MVP vote for first place in the National mm-hmm. League. What was your take on? While it was a remarkable 2021, a, a still very disappointing 2021 at the same time on Fernando Tatis. Yeah, 
For Fernando Tatis, it's just I think what was most disappointing was the defense. Um, just because his rookie season, he had been really erratic, a lot of throwing errors. Um, I think basically almost all of his errors his rookie season were throwing errors. And then in the shortened season, completely different. Uh, his range was incredible. The speed with which he threw, unbelievable. If you want to look at outs above average, he had like six. He was one of the best uh, defensive shortstops. And then this past season kind of relapsed and was back to being a little bit erratic of a defender. Now, I think that it's a little bit more complicated than that. I think his shoulder injury has to do with that. I think just mental stuff and whatnot. I think that the slander sent his way is a lot of people who are just, for some reason, like wanting to find something wrong with the most exciting player that we've seen in the sport in like 10, 15 years. So that's really interesting by people that to bring up that like Welcome Corey Seager who just got paid. Yeah, Corey Seager just got paid like, 10 years, $390 million or whatever the heck it was, and nobody's bringing up that his defense sucks. But I think that it's a little bit more complicated situation. But when it comes to the health, it was it was a little bit unfortunate, the health for sure. But even still, when he was on the field, you can tell that the team just played with a different energy. You could tell that just the fear that batters had when facing him, which makes sense. There's That's why he was one of the top three MVP vote-getters. But I am a little bit discouraged that I should say discouraged. I should say uh, nervous that he seems to not be electing the route of taking the surgery for his shoulder that a lot of people thought that he was going to do once the season ended, which means that this might be a situation where just it could just blow up and he might just be out for a while. Uh, that's not always the best feeling when your best player could just miss three weeks at any time just for right. swinging a bat or something like that. But uh, in general, I think he was great, but I also agree with you. I did not think that he should have won the MVP. I thought that it should have gone to Bryce Harper. The Juan Soto stuff, incredible, incredible season. Personally, I just need your season to matter a little bit more when it comes to winning baseball games. It is not your fault, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, yeah, who's going to talk about this, though? You know what I mean? He didn't mm-hmm. like it, it didn't it would not have mattered if he didn't have a great season because that team was so bad. Right. So that was just my it, it just it was too much in one direction. But that being right. said, I thought that uh, all three MVP vote getters were incredible and they had just amazing seasons of their own. And it shows you that baseball is starting to not only look at team success when judging a sport that is very individualistically uh, merited, I think. And uh, I think that was a lot of fun, but yeah, man, I mean the Tatis stuff. I mean, look, he gave me the MLB, the show cover, uh, which was, which was launched against your team. The last time I was truly happy. That's not true. The last time I was truly happy was the, the series against Houston back in like May of 2021 (laughs) and the Musgrove no hitter. But that, uh, that series, one of the most insane moments of my life, honestly, watching it was home run Palooza for both teams, by the way, that's what kind of gets lost on people. It was absolutely nuts with Goldschmidt going deep, like twice. Like it was just, it was absolutely nuts. But yeah, man, I mean, in terms of Tatis, he's still the future of the franchise. And I'm not really concerned of his abilities. The question is, Mm -hmm. is that shoulder going to flare up? And I think that's kind of the same thing for everybody else. Well, that Fernando Tatis MLB the show cover. The reason the reason I did not buy that cover was because it was done <laughs> against the St. Louis Cardinals. I, got, I forget which cover I got. I think it was Jackie, maybe Jackie Robinson, or maybe that was the year before. It doesn't matter. Uh, but no, but you're you're right. I think gotcha. for, for me, and again, there there's an argument in, in these days with how much money is in sport in general. Is there truly a small market team, right? So and again, that, that's a discussion mm. for a different time. But I do think yeah. there's an argument that. You know, a small market team like San Diego, if you want to, uh, you know, accept the premise for just a moment that there's a small market you know, type mm-hmm. of team like the Padres, that that much money in one player 
you know, history yeah. shows that, that doesn't usually end up working out very well. We saw it with mm-hmm. Stanton in Miami as well. We saw it with Alex Rodriguez and the Rangers years ago before he, you know, left and did what he did in New York, you know? So I think that does that concern you at all? The amount of money tied up in Tatis as well as an aging Eric Hosmer? Oh, absolutely. And I won't say the name of the Padres first baseman on any podcast. So just so you know, that's how I roll things. Um, But I mean, I think that he the latter is more concerning the Padres first baseman. But in general, you are right, because you also have to take into account Manny Machado's contract and you have to take into account Tatis's and the first baseman. So it is a mixture of things where if it was just Tatis and Machado, you might feel better about it. There's there's a lot of things that go into this, but it is true when you just look at history and whatnot. It's a little rare that that ends up, you know, panning out because teams get a little bit cautious. So far, ownership for the Padres has been very um, accepting of taking on more salary and stuff, which is great. I do believe that uh, a lot more teams. I don't. I believe that not every team has to be the Dodgers, but. Like, I don't believe that everyone has to be Cleveland. You know what I mean? Where you're spending right. $20 billion a year. I, I just don't believe that you can't get one or two free. That That's just BS, and that's them, you know, trying to make more of a profit, at least in my opinion. But uh, yeah. it is definitely concerning. It's very rare that it turns out. One difference, however, that I would say is that Tatis signed this contract when he's, contract when he's very young. I think that when you look at all those 29, 30-year-olds, I yeah. mean – Let's say Max Scherzer, is that the only one that we can think of where literally every year was worth the price that you were paying for it, even until the end, to the point where he's now getting paid again by the Mets? He might be one of the only ones that I can think of. But you're right. Yeah. When it comes to superstar signing these contracts, it usually gets a little bit, you know, gets a little bit hairy, I'd say. Mike Trout's might work out. Harper's mm-hmm. might work out. You know, it hasn't been terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, hasn't been terrible in his first couple of years in Philly. But no, I, you know, I agree that the those contracts don't usually work out. Maybe Wander Franco, although it's way too early to start talking about yeah. Franco. Um, but no, I think it's 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 fascinating to think about. You know, when you look at winning teams, how much of their money is in a free agent? How much of their money goes to a draft pick? How much of their money is in international signings? How much of their roster right. is developed by trade? And it's just fascinating to think about. The Padres made a trade last year, two years ago, for uh, for Clevenger from Cleveland. And we haven't really gotten to see a whole lot of him in a Padre uniform. And I think that's one thing that, that gets lost in all of it, at least in my opinion. So I want to talk about that as well as expectations in 2022 coming up here mm-hmm. in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to let you, Javier, know, as well as everybody else listening and watching, that BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As it continues its march through the playoffs with the big game coming up in just under a week. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, playoff podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline is where the game starts. This 2022 season is going to be a fun one if it ever gets going for the Major League Baseball, or for, excuse me, for Major League Baseball. It's one of my biggest pet peeves and say the Major League Baseball. For Major League Baseball. Um, <laughs> Almost made that mistake in an article I was writing the other day. Yeah, I was like, the oh, wait, 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 no, 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 it's ML, but it's just, I don't know why that happens. I don't know. It, I think it's I, because we're used to the NFL and the NBA. That's the only thing that, right. I could, that, that makes sense, really. 
Yeah, it's, it's weird. Anyway, so if the season does happen, I think it could be exciting for both the Padres and the Cardinals. Mentioned Clevenger right before we went to, to break there. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? What's his update? Is he going to be on the on the team? Is he going to pitch? What's his outlook? Is he, you know, has dealt with some injuries since joining San Diego? Yeah, I mean, Mike Clevenger, from what I've heard, is is progressing fine. He should be ready for you know, to at least be at full power at some point during the season, probably early-ish or so. We'll have to see because it is a Tommy John surgery, something that was at first alluded to by reports to be nothing more than just he had bone chips and needed a scope. Of course, that didn't end up happening because it is the Padres we're talking about, a team that leads in Tommy John surgeries, I think, uh, since like 2018 or something crazy like that with <laughs> Mornihon, with Nelson LeMay, with, uh, with, with the aforementioned Clevenger. Like, there's just so many guys. But... Uh, he's a big deal. He's a big deal. And I think that that's the, the addition of Clevenger coming back is one of the reasons that while the Padres were one of the worst starting pitching teams last year, a lot of that was in the second half. And there's just a lot of hope for these guys, right? Where, yeah, you Darvish looked like he was a mess. And I think that the best days are probably behind him. But like, they have a bunch of these players that it doesn't, it wouldn't shock you if they have bounce back seasons. And that's a really good position to be in, right? Where you have Blake Snell, who looked electric and uh, towards the end of the season, which was one of the only good things that happened for the Padres um, in the second half. And then you have Yu Darvish, who, while yes, he could be susceptible to the long ball and his repertoire of pitches, while fun to watch, sometimes you just wish that he would hone in on three or four instead of. 10 or wherever many pitches that he has, including one called the Supreme, which is so badass, by the way. I, I changed my mind. If it works. You, you Darvish, but if it works. Yeah. If it works. Uh, you don't want to be like, uh, don't want to be like Mo Vaughn in the Major League 2 working with all the, the, the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like, you have that situation that you have to Del Slobet. If he could stay healthy, you have some Flyers guys out there. Like, you have your Mornahone if he comes back. You have your Chris Paddock. You have your Mackenzie Gore, once upon a time, the top pitching prospect in baseball. And you've got Ryan Weathers, who a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season for him mm-hmm. when it comes to his first and second half. But nonetheless, there's just there's hope. There's a lot of these guys that are like, this wouldn't surprise you. And then you have Cotton Eye Joe Musgrove, San Diego's uh, native through the first no-hitter. You still have a lot of hope there. So it isn't a team that is desperate in need of starting pitching. The big thing really is kind of what had to happen in the second half last year, which is just play to your average, right? Just play solid, fundamental baseball. You don't have to play like an MVP. You just have to play at your, like, the, the lowest great expectation, right? And you just have to clean up a little bit. You have to have solid defense. You have to be engaged in the fundamentals. A lot of people had just the worst, worst. It's, it's the biggest case to be made for the Padres. I know I'm talking a lot, but the biggest case to be made for the Padres is they had so much go wrong in the second half that almost a regression, a positive regression should be expected, right? Where yes, you had Machado and Tatis and a, a little bit of Cronenworth and Joe Musgrove, but it's not like Tommy Pham became, you know, uh, a, a Dylan Carlson offensively or a, <laughs> Uh, that's not even an insult or like a Tommy Edmond offensively mm-hmm. or a, uh, a Harrison Bader offensively, right? Like solid offensive player. He became atrocious, right? And right. then you look at pro far and you look at Hassan Kim. So it's just be average. That's, that's kind of just be average fundamental players. The talent is clearly there. And, um, you know, I wonder if that's kind of what I'm wondering about your team. Did so much go right in the second half that we should expect negative regression is what I want to ask you. I wonder, do you think that a big reason that that won't happen is because bottom line is that the Cardinals, aside from just being the Cardinals and things working out their way, they have such good defensive like repertoire or rep defensive uh, 
versatility with their infield, with their outfield, that that's something that I don't think is going to go away as much as maybe Tyler O'Neill only hits 25 bombs this year, right? And maybe bats 250, but you know the defense is going to be there. What do you think about the Cardinals? Is there a negative regression that should be expected? I mean, I think that there's positive and negative regressions throughout the course of a season, you know, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But overall, I, I would say no. I mean, obviously, they're somewhere in between what they were in June and what they were in September, obviously. Like those are the, you know, the two ends of the mm-hmm. spectrum, right? Um, but no, I think that this, as it stands right now, they're still a playoff team. Uh, with the addition that they made in the offseason, with the re-signings they made. But as you, as you alluded to, the defense was one of the best in baseball. And it's an old adage. My mom, as a coach, loves the adage, defense wins championships. And I know that the Cardinals got bounced in the wild card game, and I understand that. But at the end of the day, you know, your bats can go cold on any given night, but your defense is something that you can always have a plus for. You know, Um, Mm. you you can always just, I don't know. It's just different because this team is so talented defensively. You know, I talk a lot about Mm -hmm. the outfield, and I think that the the three outfielders, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dylan Carlson, I, I, you know, if, if we had a bold Jeez. prediction again coming up that, that for this, you know, for this season for Lockdown MLB, I'm going to spoil it right now. My bold prediction mm-hmm. is that those three end up being the, the best outfield in all of baseball because mm-hmm. they, all, of, all three of them have five tools. They can all hit. They can all hit for power. They can all run. They can all catch. And they can all throw. All five. They, on any given night, they can impact the game of baseball. And I think that, that that's the big thing that the Cardinals have really up and down their lineup. They have guys mm-hmm. that can do three, four tool high type floor. players, right? Exactly. Yeah. High floor. Like Nolan Arnato is not going to swipe 25 bags, right? But he yeah. might hit 25 home runs and he might hit, save 25 runs. I know that's an egregious number, but you get my point, right? They, yeah, exactly. These guys, these guys can do a lot of things well. And as we kind of start to wrap up here, I want to ask you just one quick kind of question as we continue with this theme of looking toward 2022. When the lockout mm-hmm. ends, what are some moves or a move that you see the Padres making? Because the Cardinals, I think, have a couple lined up. What do you think the Padres do? Uh, it's tough. I think that it is all based on, it is all predicated upon whether or not they move their first baseman in a trade. If they do that, then maybe they get a little bit more busy. <laughs> maybe they get a little busy. Maybe they move Myers as well. Maybe save some money. Maybe I saw a mock trade that was put out there with him and Jackie Bradley Jr. Get a meh offensive player. Definitely a minus in that department, but you get a boost in the defense, which is a issue with the Padres, by the way, is their outfield depth, especially defensively. The last time they had a good defensive uh, player was, well, Trent Grisham in the outfield, but aside from him, they've just been struggling in that area for a very long time. And it's not like Grisham is Tyler O'Neill, where a guy who by himself could kind of almost carry an outfield, right? That's how good he is defensively. Literally. Trent Grisham well, that, is just a plus defender. That's how physically strong he is. He could probably carry yeah, both exactly. of the players just physically. <laughs> yeah, he could literally carry them, right? Like, uh, Grisham is a plus defender, but... He's good. He's just not a guy that you're going to be like, oh, man, you're going to be your kids are going to be bouncing on your lap being like, man, this guy was Willie Mays. Right. So that's not going to happen. But I think that it's all based on whether or not they can get rid of the first baseman. If you do, it would probably be in a vacuum, a loss trade, meaning if you just look at the players, you're like, this is bad. The Padres lose. But that's what you have to do in order to shed the contract and get a little bit more of a plus. Uh, He was 0.0 in F4 last year. Lovely stuff. Love to see it. Uh, So if they can do that, then I think you see some spending. Otherwise, I think the only thing you can expect from the Padres is maybe some some boosts to their bullpen. Maybe they go out and sign some of those underrated little reliever arms that are out there. I don't have them off the top of my head. I don't like a Sergio Romo, something like that, right? Other than that, that's all I really see the team. 
uh, only moves I see them making because, you know, they've got some prospects that are coming up. Otherwise, you just have to hope that the talent comes through. Yeah, that, that, that's. I think it's a similar situation that the Cardinals are in. But the Cardinals, I think, could go a couple of different routes. I think a, a surefire bet would be the Cardinals sign a, a, a high leverage reliever. Uh, Joe Kelly, mm-hmm. a reunion with Joe Kelly has been talked about. Ryan Tapera, even, former Cub and former White Sack. Yeah. Or a le- from a left-handed perspective, Brad Hand, Andrew Schaefer. Those are a lot of names that are circling because the Cardinals are going to be down Andrew Miller. Not that Andrew Miller was Andrew Miller of 2016, but you're still down just quantitatively a left-handed reliever. Right, so I think they're going to try and get a left-handed reliever, and then they could go a couple different routes offensively. They they, they could do a Trevor Story, and that they will. One thing that, that you know I listen to a lot of talk radio and what a lot of the experts love fit, and I love it too. Kyle Schwarber is a DH because the Cardinals need a left-handed bat, and I think Schwarber fulfills the DH role, which I think we all know is coming to the National League. Uh, we're all predicting, yeah. right? It's either going to be Schwarber, in my opinion, or Nolan Gorman, a top prospect for the Cardinals. So they could go a couple different routes. The Stephen Matt signing that they made before the, the lockout started, I loved, but that cannot be the only move the Cardinals make. Because if it is, then you start to question, was this a, a win or a loss offseason? If they can pair Matt with a couple relievers, maybe a bat, but especially a couple relievers to strengthen up that bullpen, because all 30 teams are going to be trying improving that bullpen. You know, I think that the Cardinals are going to be pretty active once the lockout ends, and I, I hope that it's soon, Javi, because I'm, you know, I'm ready. We're supposed to have pitchers and catchers reporting in the next couple of weeks, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if that happens. <laughs> but um, it's always a joy talking to you, Javier. We're, we're running a little long on time, but that's because we just have so much fun over here on Locked On the uh, Locked On Podcast. Network. It's what we do, man. It's, it's what, what we do. do. Good vibes and good friends, and just kicking off 2022 with a bang. You know what I'm saying? You just you gotta. Guys, it's it's going to be okay, and I, I've got a good season, about, good feeling about the baseball season, whenever it and starts. If, and if you want some more Locked On vibes, you can head over. You know, the, we're on the the Radio Row. We have Locked On Podcast Network representatives on Radio Row with the Super Bowl or the, the big game. Excuse me. How big? How cool is that? Really cool stuff. So, Javi, tell my listeners where they where they can find you and find your stuff. Yeah, you could check me out at Hava Pena, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Got a, I write about a bunch of stuff. Uh, I write for a, a website, Just Baseball, which you should also uh, check out. Really great website. Recently on there, wrote about some fictional, uh, my five underrated fictional baseball players because we're still in a lockout. <laughs> so love that it. means we're, I love we're, it. We're, we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel, but we're starting to get a little bit creative and weird out here because that's <laughs> what you got to do. Um, so love doing it. a bunch of stuff there. I tweet about a bunch of dumb crap too on there and then at lo underscore padres for the show account if you just want to hear padres content only you could check it out there good vibes over there and then youtube locked on padres on youtube uh, i know you've had a lot of success on youtube it's been fun um your screen camera quality is dare i say second to none it is some of the best <laughs> on the network uh, absolutely that. killing it so uh definitely uh give those things a follow Appreciate it. For your followers, you can find me on Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right here at LJ Fastball. Also follow the show on Twitter, Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals and find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts or as Javi said, you can find it on YouTube. So thanks for tuning in, Padres fans and Cardinals fans. Until Javi and I talk to you next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.